0: So welcome to the At The Hive Podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts uh, for now. Um, I am your host, Jonathan, as usual, and, I'm, and as always, I'm joined by Chase. Chase, how are you?
1: I am doing very well. It was a eventful Hornets trade deadline, I think. With no context, that statement is true. But whether how you want to <laughs> interpret that is entirely up to the individual. The
0: Hornets made two trades on trade deadline day, which is like twice as many as they normally make. So, in by that in that respect, yeah, they they
1: were wheeling, wheeling and, and dealing, dealing. dealing. exactly. Dealing and <laughs> dealing.
0: <laughs> um. So the two trades. I mean, if you're listening to this, you care enough about the Hornets as so you already know what the trades were. But uh, ended up being. Jalen McDaniels to the 76ers, and in return, the Hornets got uh, Sfi Mihailuk from the Knicks, kind of as a three team trade, and then uh their own second round pick. Well, it's technically the best of, like, the best, the most favorable three different teams second round picks, so it's going to be the Hornets pick. And a 2029 20, second, what was the other one? 2027
1: second round 2027. 20, it's also a most favorable situation. I think it's like New Orleans and Portland. Yeah, yeah, so it's
0: important. something that we don't have to worry about right now. Um, very relevant because it's a second-round pick and they go they're thrown around all over the place. We'll talk about that later. Other teams use them as like legitimate currency. Um, and then anyway, the other trade the Hornets made was Mason Plumlee to the Clippers, which has made sense all season long because they had one center on their roster, and in return they got Reggie Jackson and a twenty twenty-eight second-round pick. Um. Reggie Jackson is getting bought out. He's not going to play for us, thankfully. And so we basically traded. We got Mason Plumlee shipped out for a very future second round pick. Um, I guess we'll start with the the, the Jalen McDaniels trade. Um, I read this in, in The Athletic, and it seemed true. Um, Jalen McDaniels being involved in that trade at all just kind of seemed like a random... Like why was he even in this, and why did the Hornets get so little back for him? And I kind of was like, yeah, kind of see that thoughts.
1: Yeah, no, I I kind of felt a similar way at first because like the Sixers very easily could have just gotten a couple seconds for Tybele, yeah, and and or the and that's the Blazers just gave him like two picks for Tybele or something, and instead the. Hornets just kind of jumped in and gave Jalen McDaniels to the Sixers while not getting a player in return that they're going to like actually keep in the rotation. Cause the Blazers had just gotten Luke the night before in the Josh Hart Cam Reddish trade. So they just rerouted yeah. him to Charlotte. He's on uh, like a $1.8 million contract. So it wouldn't be surprising at all if they waive him as well, along with Reggie Jackson. And then they also the Hornets also gave up uh, a 2024 second round pick along with Jalen McDaniels to the Sixers. I think the the pick is via New York, so it'll probably be like below between 45 and 60. I would say in the bottom half of the second round. So it's really they only netted one second round pick in that trade along with Mahi so It It's very weird that they kind of just jumped in there. I guess if I like that is the what Jalen McDaniels market was then that's what the market was, and you just kind of take what you can get. But I don't know. It's it's It seemed like there would be more than that because he's been really good this year. He's on a low, very low contract, even though he's expiring and is an unrestricted free agent this year. But, I mean, you assume that any team trading for him would also be inclined to re-sign him or would be like a playoff contender that would be able to offer him a role or something that would be intriguing to resign. sign So I, yeah. I, would, I would agree with that.
0: Right. It was like... It- it almost feels like the Sixers and and Blazers were like making this trade and then the Hornets like hey we can help here's here's a guy to replace Tybalt. and the Sixers are like what okay sure
1: Yeah right or like too- why why if it was the Hornets and Sixers were discussing it per se why wouldn't the Hornets just take Tybalt back even though like they have to pay him as well and just get like a player or something along with the picks it's just, it, yeah it does seem like a weird framework from charlotte's perspective
0: especially because like just kind of if we kind of tie this into the rumors that we had been hearing leading up to the trade deadline uh the 76ers were not a team that was rumored interested in Jalen mcdaniels i don't think and a lot of other teams were and the hornets were apparently interested in tyble so it's weird that we like helped the 76ers move Tybalt somewhere else and gave them a player that I didn't know they were connected to at any point during, like, the lead up to this. So it just kind of feels very out of left field. And like you said, it's it's usually kind of pointless to, to pontificate on what we could have gotten or what we should have gotten or how much a player should have been traded for. But uh, it, it just feels low based on the stuff we had heard rumor-wise. Like, it seemed like there was a demand for him. It seemed like there was a market for him. And getting just, like, a second-round pick for him as, like, a throwaway in a trade didn't seem like it matched what we thought teams valued of him going into this deadline.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, good for Jalen, though. He might start for the Sixers in, in like, a deep playoff run. Like, if they move P.J. Tucker to the bench and Tobias Harris to the four, he could be the starting three on one of the best teams in the East uh, to round out his contract here. So where it definitely works out for him, I would say.
0: Yeah, I'll be rooting for him. Uh, I I'm excited to see how he does. It's always interesting to see how Hornets mm-hmm. players do away from the Hornets because it tends to be not good. So always. always <laughs>
1: yeah, right. right. How do you have any um burning hot Savi Michaluk's takes? Are you excited to watch um <laughs> watch him? I actually I was surprised to see. I guess not surprised, but uh, he has been in the league every single year since he came out of college. I, like he has I, actually. Not missed- a season so he has been a consistent nba player at at the very least
0: i actually almost like kind of looked at the same thing and was just a surprise earlier because i was pulling up his stats earlier and because i knew he's bounced around a lot but yeah i was surprised to see that he's been in the league and like played a decent amount of games and uh just kind of hanging around as a three-point shooting specialist shooting 36 percent from three
1: yeah, he's like, he's been in the league since 1819 and he only twice has he spent the full season with the team. Not and this year will not be one of those years either, obviously. So Right, yeah. Um, the, but not he, even he can receivers. shoot anyway. But I, I wouldn't be well, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hornets waived him, would you?
0: No, I I mean, I would have I mean, not I guess I would have thinking they would have done it right away if they were going to do it. Yeah, again. I guess that's true. But I don't think I, he'll be the first one gone if the Hornets decide to do the 10 day thing and someone they like in 10 days like someone comes in and plays well on a 10 day like Isaiah Thomas did last year and they're like oh we want to keep you around like the next guy to go is going to be Svi. like
1: yeah I think I agree with that
0: yeah just like no reason to waive boat like him right now and especially like I don't know I don't think he's going to get a job if he gets waived right now
1: no I, I wouldn't be surprised if that I mean the all the names on the buyout market are probably would probably be a little bit <laughs> uh more attractive to a playoff he's team. he's
0: gonna be pretty far down the list yeah yeah,
1: I would, I would say so
0: um real quick I guess we'll talk about the ramifications of it uh I guess this means more minutes for JT Thor and Bryce McGowan's and maybe James Booknight gets to play
1: yeah I think that is probably the hope they still is they that eventually James Booknight would be able to Crack the rotation somehow with this void of minutes because Jalen I mean, played a lot, so there will be a lot of minutes yeah. to be split up after this. Now, uh, I mean, it, tomorrow, uh, who knows if the Hornets are going to have like all of their two way players available? I mean, who knows when Kelly Oubre is going to be healthy again anyway? Like, there, there's quite a few minutes to go around on the wing, so I, I, I it seems like Bryce McGowan's might have the upper hand in just getting off the bench first, but. It would be nice to see Booknight get in there. It's it's been quite a while since he has yes. played in the game, so it, it would yep. be nice to see.
0: the uh, The other trade, uh, like I said, Mason Plumlee for Reggie Jackson in a 2028 second round pick. Um, I I guess it's good that we. So, the general sentiment around this trade is that, like, yay, we got rid of Mason Plumlee, and the whole point of getting rid of Mason Plumlee is so that we have minutes for Mark Williams and Nick Richards. um, And then getting rid of him allows that to happen while also getting some sort of value back. The value we got back is very minimal. So we essentially just like got rid of him to open up minutes, but it's like, we could have just done that anyway. So like, I'm glad, I'm glad we get to see the young guys play, but it's just kind of, it's just such a, I don't know, underwhelming return to get rid of Plumlee. Who's, we capitalize on, like, his best season of his career by getting a second-round pick five years in the future.
1: Yeah, I think underwhelming is probably a pretty good word to describe this entire trade deadline. Like, Mitch Kupchak did what a lot of Hornets fans wanted, I think. or And yeah. even what, like, probably what he himself wanted to do was just free up minutes for Mark Williams and Nick Richards. Get off of, like, the veteran contracts that they had that were expiring uh maybe capitalize on Jalen McDaniels' value if they weren't gonna resign him, which I imagine was part of that trade as well. To oh yeah, we probably uh, was that. that he there was there had to have been some sort of maybe discussion between him and the Hornets or like some sort of feeling that the front office had that he wasn't gonna be coming back in unrestricted free agency. So they just traded him anyway. But I mean maybe maybe not also, but <clears throat> I mean it, it does feel like they could have gotten more because there was a rumor that Plumlee was supposed to be a, uh, available for potentially a first round pick, which always seemed like a lot because the only team that's at like the bottom of the first round this year that has their own pick to trade is Sacramento and they're 23rd currently. Obviously they didn't even trade for a backup big anyway. And so they didn't think that they needed one badly enough to trade the 23rd overall pick in a pretty deep draft f- for an expiring contract, which is fair. So I don't know. Maybe it's the best they can get, but it is definitely underwhelming.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's it, like I said, like kind of tying it back to the rumors. It's it's weird seeing rumors that like the Hornets want a first round pick for someone like Mason Plumlee, and then like the Kings are interested in players like Mason Plumlee, the Clippers are interested in players like Mason Plumlee, and the Hornets, the best they can get from their asking price of a first round pick is a second round pick from in 2028, like almost as far away as possible. And it's like, did the price really come down that much at the at the at the eleventh hour? Um, and then like teams like the Kings, like the Kings also have second round picks like this in like this draft, like they have the thirty sixth pick, they have the fifty third pick. Like I don't know. Uh, if it, it, it felt it felt like such a a a, a, a slow low, low price compared to like the values we were getting heard thrown around prior to the prior to to, to yesterday's deadline. Um, so that's the kind of underwhelming part. I guess, though, it's cool that they're opening minutes for the bigs, but real quick, I wanted to go back to what we said about Jalen McDaniels, because um, I think that's important to talk about. Uh, him and P.J. Washington are both free agents this summer, and I think P.J. is a slightly better player, a higher ceiling player, um, regardless of your evaluation of them. If you think they're even, I think they're pretty close to even, and whatever one you give the edge to. P.J. being a restricted free agent Makes him a much better bet to keep to hang on to in the su- this summer than McDaniels.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jalen could just leave. I mean, if he could leave the Sixers. Like, there's not even a guarantee that he would re sign there or like would be able, they'd be even want to re sign him to any sort of long term deal if his market ends up being driven up. PJ, you can like control his market. You know what other teams are offering him. You have a chance to match it. You can negotiate an extension with him yourself. Uh, Jalen's much more of a wild card that you really have no guarantee at all that you're going to be able to keep him even if you give him a good offer that is you know beats other teams offers or something like that he might just leave because he wants a different role so I definitely agree PJ's contract is the more valuable asset between the two of them I also agree that PJ is like a better player better fit for the Hornets long term probably even if he would command like a higher dollar value in free agency. But I'm definitely if, they, if, if it was like a PJ Washington versus Jalen McDaniels thing, I think that they made the right choice, at least from how you can view it now.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I know we all get very frustrated with PJ's inconsistency, but the, the ceiling is much higher. Like he, he's, he, he can, he's a better higher potential shooter. He's got a deeper bag. Um, he's a more versatile, I think, maybe not always focused, but more versatile defender. And when he's locked in, he's a better defender. Um, So it's just about, you know, channeling that. And I know it's been around for a while. He's been around for a while. So like asking him to continue to improve might be asking a lot. But yeah, I think it's a higher, the higher ceiling move. And then just, I feel like being a restricted free agent kind of cools a market on him to begin with because teams that do have calf space don't want to tie it up in like PJ Washington. So then you kind of have that leverage over him. And then you can you are guaranteed you can keep him if you want him. Or Jalen McDaniels, no matter what you do, like you said, he could just walk out the door. So, um, but anyway, back to base of Plumlee. Uh, ramifications. Nick Richards is going to play again. Mark Williams will. I'm, do you think Mark Williams starts, or do you think Steve Clifford does the weird thing where Mark Williams keeps his bench roll and Nick Richards starts and takes all Plumlee's minutes?
1: Uh, I think that some Hornets fans would riot if Nick Richards was the starter, but I I, I do think that Mark will, will start ultimately. I he, I mean, right now he seems to have like more frequently be getting the backup center minutes. I mean, he does get the DNP sometimes, and Nick plays, but I think that Mark has been getting them more consistently lately. So it feels oh, yeah, like yeah. he would start anyway. It
0: feels like it, and I think he will. I'm also, but I've also just kind of, as I was speaking, had the thought and wouldn't be surprised if Steve Clifford's like... Oh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, continue in your bench role where you're getting comfortable. So you're going to play maybe a few extra minutes, like instead of playing 17 to 20, you'll play like 20 to 24, but you're still going to come off the bench for the second unit. Nick Richards will just leapfrog you into the starting lineup. So, yeah don't want it to happen don't necessarily think it will happen but wouldn't be su- surprised if it happened
1: no not at all I feel they should just split the center minutes like 24 24 like right down the middle and just start yeah. mark do what do whatever you got to do close with whoever is playing better that particular night and then there you go yeah yeah I think so too
0: um I think that's about it uh I guess the moves that it didn't make Kelly Oubre still here Terry Rozier is still here uh I don't know if Kelly Oubre's injury had anything to do with that, but... um,
1: Very, very quiet on the Kelly Oubre front. There was literally not a single rumor about him since, like, right after he got hurt, pretty much.
0: Right. So, I I guess, I don't know if we intend to keep him past this season. Um, It almost feels like the Hornets should try to, right? Yeah, it
1: it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did keep him.
0: So the other thing, I guess, because I was going to wrap up by kind of saying, like, sum up your feelings like we kind of started with. But I think one of the things that, to me, has made it more underwhelming is, like, it, def- it did signal a direction. Like, it's the youth. We're going towards the youth. We're not trying to win anymore, um, which I think was obvious for a while anyway. But the thing is, like, we didn't change. the The summer doesn't change, right? Like, we got rid of expiring contracts. Uh, We didn't open up any cap space. We didn't really get much draft. Cap- we got a little bit of draft capital for this summer, but for the most part, like we're not going to have, the Hornets aren't going to have any cap space to sign anybody outside of the organization. And it's just going to be kind of like, where do the Hornets go to improve from here? And this trade deadline didn't set up to make that question any easier to answer.
1: No, no, it really didn't. I I think maybe maybe this draft period or at least after the finals, once the, the trade window is really open and between then and the start of free agency, when teams cap sheets start to fill up, then it will become really clear because I think it will be easier to move players like Terry or Gordon Hayward or even like PJ or something like not that he can be traded in the summer. But it's easier to move players that have like real value, I think, when teams are like resetting their rosters rather than in the middle of the season. So maybe that's why it kind of just seemed like the hornets were making moves around the margins rather than doing more of a reset than what people wanted to see or thought that they should be doing i they certainly might still do that but it it the deadline is not teams don't do that very often in the middle of the season compared to in the summer or something or what any any time in the off season when you have much more time to think about moves and plan them out yeah. and have can go into training camp with a roster and don't have to reassemble guys on the fly when you have a road game the day after the deadline or something like that
0: right well there's one team that did that we'll talk about that um on the other side of the break but yeah uh all in all un- i think underwhelming like we said it, it, trade deadline can't say it was like bad because the hornets did get value out of players that were going to walk away for nothing maybe at least in the case of that we're definitely going to walk away for nothing um so i guess they get points for that just i don't know would have been cool to see more ken are you there cool uh anything anything else you wanted to talk about on the hornets front um before we take a quick break and spend a few minutes just talking about the rest of the league for let's else listen
1: to, to a, a word from our sponsors one more time maybe yeah just yeah. about <laughs> for, for the last time I <laughs> right we'll be right back
0: Welcome back to That The Hive Podcast. Um, so the trade deadline happened. Uh, Hornets, like, just super cool trades. Um, the rest of the league was way more fun.
1: Way more fun. And
0: I So this happens a lot of trade deadlines, but there's so many trades that are just almost like, they're like role players for role players, and they're kind of like on the margins. And it's like, are you guys just like kind of bored? Like it's like fantasy football, and it's just like I wanna. I'm tired of seeing these players. Let me get new players because it's fun. Because sometimes these like there are trades that just like I don't see how this made none. Neither of you got worse, but I don't know if either of you got better either. Just kind of like change for change's sake. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of second round picks that went flying around today was completely (laughs) ridiculous. I saw. I don't know if this is accurate, but I saw someone in the replies of like Mark Stein or something tweeting that there were 130 second round picks total exchanged in this like deadline period. Mark Stein said that 16 trades went down yesterday and today. Like that's a lot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 130 is probably an exaggeration, but I know the Warriors gave up or yeah five. Yeah, it was like
1: five each I think multiple teams gave up five. Uh, multiple teams gave up like three or two, and then there were like pick swaps and the Suns and Nuggets trade with four draft picks, or Suns and Nets trade that had four draft picks. There was a lot going on.
0: Right, yeah. So like like uh, the Clippers sent two second round picks to the Nuggets for Bones Highland. Hawks sent five second round picks to the Warriors for Bay, and the Warriors sent those five second round picks to Portland for Peyton. Um James White, James Wiseman's been traded, so I think we got the better of that deal. Uh, yeah, I would night. say so. I, I think that <laughs>
1: we can officially put that to rest. That the Hornets, uh, the best player or uh, in the draft, fell to the Hornets at number three. We did not, by yeah, any chance, miss out on, miss out on anything. <laughs>
0: um, Frank Kaminsky's on the move. The other yep. thing that was kind of funny: uh, several players dating back to Wednesday with the the D'Angelo Russell. Russell Westbrook, uh, Mike Conley trade, uh, players getting traded back to teams they already played. Yeah,
1: for. that happened a lot. It's very weird. <laughs> it's so very like weird.
0: D'Angelo Russell back with the Lakers. Uh,
1: Eric Gordon uh, and the Clippers.
0: Gary Eric Gordon back with the Clippers. John Wall got sent back to the Rockets, which is so funny.
1: I know. I know they're after gonna after the podcast he made like two weeks ago, that is is, is very funny. That was mean. I didn't of even the wait, to do that.
0: What, what was the wait? I didn't even see the podcasting. What was that?
1: Oh, he, so he went on, um, Theo Pinson podcast, who a great podcast, by the way, Pro, easily my favorite, like NBA player podcast, shout out to Theo Pinson. Um, he went on his podcast and basically was like detailing his time with the Rockets and was just like, n- not like shitting on their organization, but definitely was not speaking fondly of them being like, they were not trying to win at all. Like it wasn't a good time. Like it wasn't a great like culture like he didn't uh, enjoy his time with uh when james harden was there even though it was very brief when they were on the team together so and, and then like 2 weeks later he gets traded to the team that he was just like disparaging openly on a podcast so very ironic on that one yeah, and then yeah. i mean pa- there's there's just so much that like he said in that podcast that would not endear him to that organization at all so of course they just bought him out immediately
0: I have to go check on that. But I know I was explaining to somebody earlier. It was like, yeah, so the, he played for the Rockets. He got traded to the Rockets. And then the Rockets decided it was time to be bad. So they're like, we're going to let the young guys play so we can see who's good and also help us lose so we don't have any room for you in the rotation. So he's like, I don't even care. I'll come off the bench. I just want to play basketball. And they're like, no, we can't let you play basketball. You might let make us win too much. He's like, all right, then let me, yeah. please let me leave. And they're like, no, you can't leave either. And he just got stuck, like not allowed to play basketball for like a year. And then yeah, he finally gets was, free and he goes exactly to the Clippers. And then he gets free and he goes to the Clippers for six months and they send him right back to the Rockets.
1: It's a cruel, cruel world that we live <laughs> in. It's a very cruel world.
0: Yeah, but um, was there, uh, there was... Oh, Bruno Fernando is a very inconsequential player, but he got sent back to the Hawks.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, so, another, uh, Justin Jackson got sent back to the Thunder from the Celtics for Mike Muscala. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, the theme of... Um, the theme of this trade deadline is players returning to teams they had previously played for. Um, and then also Kevin Durant is a son and Kyrie Irving's a Maverick and the Nets are on national TV the day after with none of their good players,
1: except for Cam the Cam Thomas, Thomas Nets are going to, yeah, exactly. The, the Cam <laughs> Thomas Nets are going to be awesome. Like it, it's crazy how much their team has changed over the last few days. Um, like they start, they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons like 5 days ago. And now like with not even including the days that Kyrie had a trade request, like if you gave it tur- turn the clock back a week, there is literally no rumbling whatsoever that the Nets are going to be split up. They're like a top 5 team in the East. They're doing well. They're going to be a playoff threat, blah blah blah. They're going to maybe they're going to add to the team and make a finals run and now the best player on the team is Cam Thomas.
0: They were talking to Kyrie Irving about an extension like a week ago.
1: Yeah like it is <laughs> unfathomable how quickly all of that happened i didn't even awesome. i wasn't even awake for when kevin durant got traded were you up for that because it was yeah, it like, was. was it like i think it was like 105 in the morning or something like that when it was it, so i was broke.
0: yeah i was watching youtube on my computer so i didn't have my phone like next to me and i have twitter notifications on for shams Woj and chris haynes because uh you never know when news is gonna break and um thankfully they only they, those guys have like their robots and they don't tweet anything other than news so um my phone was just like sitting off to the side and i was watching youtube and i've finished watching the videos watching on youtube and i picked my phone up and it's just got like a thousand twitter notifications like what is going on and I was like oh dang
1: um you're like, oh that's going on <laughs> that's going on
0: so i wrote the little like trade deadline primer open thread thing and i finished it and i scheduled it and then i went over to youtube and watched some stuff and I had to go, I was like, God, I'm not going to go back and add this to the stupid trade deadline primer thing, because it happened before I published it. And, uh, so yeah, it was I saw it, and then it was, like, right before I went to bed. So I think it's going to be fun to wake up to tomorrow. But, um, didn't Kyrie also say, basically, like, in his, one of his, like, his press conference with the Mavericks after the game, that, like, he was never long for the Nets. He could tell pretty quickly that it wasn't going to work out, and he was looking for a way out. Like,
1: yeah no he, he he yeah he said that uh he also said um, he was like basically was like I did my job like I got you all I got you all the way to the four seed like what what else do you want from me like I don't know, I like I left I left them as the four seed which is not even true because they're the five seed but he's like I left them as the four seed like I don't know what else they want from me it's like I um, think they wanted you
0: to win a title. Yeah, uh, right. Like, I don't
1: know if that. There's a long gap between what you gave them and what they wanted. It's like ah, like whether or not he, that's right or wrong. Like that, there is a, quite a disconnect between the, those two things. Right. It's, it was so funny though. But I mean, I, I, I kind of are going to be fun I, to watch. They were fun to watch in that game uh, that was on yeah, national TV on Wednesday night. I'm interested to see how it fits with
0: Luca cuz Luca just cuz both of them I mean both of them can shoot. Luca's not that great of a shooter off the ball, I don't think, but like
1: Yeah, he's not a great like catch and shoot guy, I don't think, but Kyrie is, so that that yeah. that, that will that will definitely work.
0: Maybe he'll get better at it if he actually like practice it cuz Luca's always dribbling, but um <laughs> I I kind of envy to an extent like Kyrie's complete and total lack of self-awareness and like obliviousness cuz I feel like it just makes life so much better, right? like oh absolutely the, the, the average person like worrying about how they're perceived or like you know oh man i messed that up i'm so embarrassed like dude just lives everything in the moment completely blissfully unaware or unwilling to acknowledge like the actual truth of situations like uh you could go through, like the whole timeline of uh Sorry, I, I got to know. I thought I read this tweet that Chris Hayne just put out, and I read it originally as John Wall was informed by the Rockets that he will not be waived, and I had to double take. Oh God,
1: <laughs> he will that be was waived. A torture. I, okay, I, yeah.
0: I, I added, I then my brain put the knot in there, just like wishful thinking. But um, sorry, John. But uh, yeah, Kyrie has this like whole history of just changing his mind very randomly and suddenly, and then talking about that as if it was his feelings forever like yeah. the like going to Boston and telling Boston that he wants to be there forever and then like he he has a he like has a, a quote a saying later.
1: that he's never going to leave from every team that he's played on so far. There's <laughs> yes. one of him telling a kid in Cleveland uh like in a like a little interview which obviously he's not going to say that to a kid in like a public setting and be like nah I think I'm going to leave but he says right. like oh no I'm I'm always going to be a Cavalier. And then I, like obviously the Celtics one is like he very clearly stated that he was going to resign and wanted to resign and then very quickly reverted on that statement. So that one didn't really work out well for him at all. But, and then he said the same thing with the Nets too. Uh, and then also was like, actually, I knew that I didn't want to be there, even though I directed <laughs> myself there specifically to play in this location with this player. Uh, but I'm glad that we both got out now. It's just, it's just so awesome. It's so it's so funny.
0: I I never really wanted to be there, even though like they explicitly like does, they expli- like they could have
1: gone to, to <laughs> multiple other teams, but they went to Brooklyn. Like they could have been on the Knicks together, right? Like,
0: and again, he was just talking about a max extension with them like last week.
1: It's yeah, like within <laughs> the month of February, and he got traded on like February 7th. Like right. it's, it's it went so. Fast, it was insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then and then I was worried too. The thing that was nice about the Kevin Durant news was I was worried that because I saw a couple things that like teams were starting to were were kind of like stockpiling, were or maybe were planning to stockpile assets in case Kevin Durant became available this summer. So the fact that they just the Suns were just pulled the trigger and got that domino to fall made the trade deadline easier for everybody. I think. Because I think there would have been a lot of holding patterns of like we can't give up, we have to keep every asset we can. Because if Kevin Durant asks out, we want to, you know, we want to see it at that table. We want to have a shot at him. So thank you to the Suns for possibly saving the trade deadline, um, and their new owner for trying to make a splash.
1: Yeah, that that was talk about that one being quick too. He was uh, in control of the team for like less than twenty four hours, and then right, and then Kevin Durant also.
0: Was they they were the report like earlier that day on Wednesday? Was well, yeah, like was that the he Nets was are, not have no interest in? The, yeah, the the Nets have no interest in moving Kevin Durant, and then uh, like twelve hours later, they're moving Kevin Durant. So, um, yeah, so much for that. So now we have the Cam Thomas Benson and it's so funny because they got put on national TV the day of the trade deadline, and they're not—they're missing all of their players. Um, let's see what else was significant other than the Nets trades. Uh, Russell Westbrook finally got traded out of Los Angeles. Yeah, I the, like Laker, the
1: Lakers got a lot of really good players this deadline.
0: Yeah, the Lakers. I feel like they've done that recently as well. Because I know I remember seeing this in a comment, and it also it felt like it happened a couple years ago, where it's like, why are so many teams giving good players to the Lakers for seemingly nothing? Like, what's going on here? But then. Which I feel like happened a couple years ago, but then you look at their roster this year, and they have no good players except for LeBron and AD, so it's like, okay, maybe maybe that was a little exaggerated, but it does feel like they had a good trade deadline. Like, D'Angelo Russell, I guess, he's probably, he's a better fit, right? Because you want the ball in Anthony Davis and LeBron's hands all the time, and D'Angelo Russell can shoot,
1: and then... Yeah, I mean, he's having the most efficient season of his career right now, too, which... Right. I mean, he's. I'm pretty sure he's like 39 or 38 percent from three on high volume. Yeah. Like a oh, good off ball shooter, good point guard for when LeBron doesn't want to play point guard. Malik Beasley's a good shooter too. Jared Vanderbilt, very good defender. Right. Like they they get a good lot of players. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then <laughs> uh, Mike Conley's a good fit for Minnesota, I think, with you know their other star players not being necessarily good defenders, and Mike Conley having that kind of reputation, and also. Personality-wise, Mike Conley is apparently the best human being in all the NBA, and Ant seems like he's super cool. But maybe like like he's kind of reminds me of Lamelo, where he's like maybe got some growing up to do. And then Cat seems like he maybe he's similar. So I think Mike Conley is probably a good, better locker room presence than D'Angelo Russell probably is. That's just like entirely speculation, speculative, but from an outside perspective, it looks like that.
1: Um, yeah, he he's always been like a very steady like. Point guard too, and that's I feel like D'Lo's a good player, but he's not like the same type of like heady point guard that can control pace and possession for you, which is something that the Wolves really need, I think.
0: Right, because otherwise they're 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 like kind of it feels like they're a young team that's not directionless, but maybe close to needing some guidance. Now, yeah, like Conley's really old, so I don't know what the long term plan is, but um, also that 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 whole trade kind of to tie it back to the Hornets was like, that seems like a possible landing spot for Terry Rozier for either one of those teams, Minnesota or Los Angeles. So you wonder, yeah,
1: exactly. That, that I feel like might've been, a, if, if the Hornets were going to move Terry, I feel like that and the Kevin Durant trade might've just killed his market. Cause yeah. the Lakers, Minnesota and Suns were all teams that he would have fit on and easily had matching salary.
0: The other one too was, uh, with Russell Westbrook going to the Jazz, the Clippers were supposed to be targeting him in the buyout market as well. So even though they the Clippers ended up picking up other guards, that I think took them out of the Tara Rosier market. But just the idea that like now they have a plan for Russell Westbrook, I think would have, you know, made the demand diminished his demand anyway. So all those trades kind of the day before felt like they took a lot of wind out of the hornet's sails for any big moves.
1: What Which, uh? Who who won the deadline? We got. We have to answer this question. Who won the deadline?
0: Uh oh yeah. We have to. We have to grade every trade right. Like immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> a,
1: a A D B plus.
0: Right. Uh, I think for this year it's got to be the Suns, right? Yeah. They, that's like, what I was going got... to say too.
1: <laughs> like
0: I I saw a couple. There's a couple things where it's like I don't know. The Suns gave up a lot. Kevin Durant's kind of old. Like Kevin Durant hasn't d- diminished at all.
1: So Literally like, not in the slightest. That so like they didn't get, give up enough for Kevin Durant.
0: Right. So like I get the idea that like looking at his age, you think the decline is coming, but also like look at like if you would you give up four first round picks and a pick swap to trade for thirty four year old LeBron, knowing where what
1: like LeBron is now? And how right, like, diminished. like he he's that was five years ago for LeBron. Like, yeah. you were, any team in the NBA would have done that. Like in hindsight, so there's a right. strong chance that KD is a similar situation.
0: Right. So, like, he's averaging thirty points a game with sharing the team with Kyrie Irving. Like, he's that's he's good. He's going to be good for a while. Um, yes. and he's shooting fifty six percent. He's shooting a career high from the full uh, from the field this year and from the free throw line. So, like. Yeah, I think the Suns win the deadline. I think the Suns leapfrog to one of the top title contenders. They definitely strengthened the West, because um, for like the first time ever, the West was the weaker. It's been the weaker conference this year. Um, and indirectly, I don't know how far behind they are, but if they get real hot and they catch up to the Nuggets, helps the Hornets pick, right?
1: Absolutely. Any anybody, I I I'm, I'm rooting for the Nuggets because I Jokic is one of my favorite players to watch and i want him to have playoff success but if they get in as like the three or four seed that only strengthens uh his, his argument for being an nba legend <laughs> after he wins his first ring and is three mvps in a row so i mean that works out if the if the nuggets yeah, pick is win, like win. 25th exactly yeah. and then the hornets will get you know the 25th pick and then the first pick uh and then they'll also have like what is the thirty-four right now is the pick that they are going to be getting from the Sixers in the Jalen yeah, McDaniels right trade, 34. and right. then they have forty-two, which is the uh, another pick that they got in the Jalen Duren trade. So they're they're and the and the Jazz definitely got worse trading away Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt for Russell Westbrook, who they're going to buy out. So there's a in good chance comment. that the Hornets have four picks in the top forty of the twenty twenty three draft. That is a, that is our silver lining for this trade right. deadline
0: and the nuggets if the nuggets fall off at all we could end up with the hornets could end up with the 27th pick which as we all know is like the best pick in the draft
1: exactly it's a very get, it's a, a very outdated with the 27th pick every year
0: it, it's kind of an outdated uh little trend but i'm going to stick with it for as long as i can
1: exactly it, it takes at least like 10 years for trends to like not work anymore before people actually start noticing
0: because right, we got like pascal siakam rudy gobert kyle kuzma and i think there's one other one in there uh, like, i
1: think rob williams was 27 yeah. as well yeah kind of in a narrow stretch so you know who was 27th cam thomas <laughs> yeah, all it takes all the all the 27th pick needs is a chance that's all they need it,
0: it, the, the future all-time leading scorer in the nba since he's going to average 45 points a game apparently
1: yeah, exactly. He's just gonna score forty three every night forever, and then that's it. He's just gonna be the the greatest player of all time. So uh
0: do you know do you have anybody that lost draft?
1: Uh I thought the, the Raptors and the Blazers had very weird deadlines. The Blazers swapped a they got five second round picks, which is good, but they swapped Gary Payton. And Josh Hart for Cam Reddish and Matisse Tybel, which is weird when Dame is having, like, one of the best seasons of his career. Jeremy Grant is an right. unrestricted free agent. Nurkic is, you know, he's Nurkic in, you know, the twilight of his prime, basically. So, I don't know. I thought that was weird. And the Raptors gave up uh, their first-round pick in 2024 for Jakob Hurdle. Their... Oh,
0: player returning to their old team again.
1: Oh, another one. Yeah, there we go. So... <laughs> The, the, that one i also thought was weird because like they're uh, they were rumored to be sellers obviously they're not if they're trading a future first for a guy on an expiring right. contract like who know it, that one that one that might be even weirder than the blazers one to me be because the Blazers was, got five second round picks the raptors didn't get anything really in return
0: right that was that was a hard pivot too from what we heard like all lead oh, up yeah. to the like, the, like the it was like they the could trade, trade line, OG
1: like... and they could trade Fred Van Vliet, like Gary Trent Jr., but they didn't trade any of them. And then they added uh, Jakob Purtle,
0: right, for a first round pick, which uh, yeah, I didn't...
1: and Ken Birch too. So, which is like kind of a, th- a throwaway if you're getting upgrading to Pertel, but still,
0: yeah, yeah, but it's just an it's a weird move for a team that's like, like I said, they're supposed to be sellers and then they're currently 10th in the east, and yeah, they're below not 500. Really a... Yeah, not like well positioned to make a run or anything. Is that like, it's not like they're like the Hawks, where the Hawks have had a bad season, but you've seen them be better with the same roster. And they're like, we just got to make a tweak here, and we can, you know, elevate our position or whatever. It's they're just they're just kind of bad. It, like, what are you gonna do from there? So I I don't know. I don't know why you give up a first round pick for Yaka Pertl in the Raptors' position, and then like you said, it the, and then the Blazers, who for years it feels like have been trying to build around Damian Lillard for the now with, like, wing defenders and stuff. They're like, how about we take the two good wing defenders that we have and we trade them for less good, younger, maybe good in the future wing defenders.
1: Yeah, and Gary Payton also, in fact, his his old team. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, that, that was, like... And the Blazers don't necessarily... Like, their offense isn't, like, elite. They're not a fantastic shooting team so i don't know why they're trading away like players or not or, or trading for players like matisse Thybul that are going to greatly hinder that like they're i just i just it's a great it's I mean, so strange to me like if your offense is entirely dame right now like you need to be adding to that not necessarily yeah. like taking away from it and putting more on his shoulders
0: cam reddish fits that bill too i think i don't think He's still one of those dudes that's like supposed to be a good shooter, right? But
1: yeah, but he just has never been like in his career. At, I maybe he figures it level. out right now, but at any he, level, <laughs> yeah, right. Like he hasn't been a good shooter since like high school. I don't think like he. I wasn't... don't think like
0: he was even a good shooter in high school. I think he was a good shooter by like the numbers in high school. They were just like this dude shoots one well up in open gym and his form looks great. Like this guy just looks like a basketball player. Um, <clears throat> Cam Reddish, by the way, because I remember, and and I, and I know you know, not to make this a Cam Reddish bash session, but like how his historically terrible like shooting numbers at Duke and they're like, No no no, trust us he can shoot. Just he just got a little shooting slump. He's had one year better than thirty three percent as a three point shooter in his uh NBA career so far. Not even one year. No, that's wrong. He's never shot better than like thirty three percent from the three point line in his NBA career.
1: Yeah, it is. Maybe he it's, just It's shoot. been a tough road. Yeah, I think that might be the case. Is that he's not? He's <laughs> not actually a great shooter. He's a decent defender, which is like the the strange part about why he's just kind of fallen out of favor with seemingly every team in the NBA. But maybe the Blazers are going to play him a lot.
0: I don't know. Like I said, those are weird trades. Those are good, good weird ones. Um, and I think those are kind of examples of like what I talked about to open this half of the show. Of like, it just felt like. Teams were just kind of making moves to make moves, right? Like, the Blazers got back. They got rid of two players in Peyton and Hart and got back, like, very similar players in Reddish and Tybal that are just, like, I guess a little younger. So it's like, what did you really do with that? Though I guess they got a million second-round picks, so.
1: yeah, Yeah, there's always that. That'll be, <laughs> presumably will be a good trade chip. I
0: mean at this point the utility of second round picks is more second round picks are like nba cryptocurrency
1: <laughs> yeah like, literally
0: like it's like the value of the second round pick is that you can trade it again later for other stuff not really the actual like using the pick like no one wants to use second round picks they just want to obtain a lot of second round picks to trade them in other to other teams who will don't want to use them they just want to use them to trade them to another team
1: yeah right that, that so. maybe the market will eventually collapse, and then yeah. we'll just get to like 2025, and everyone will have already traded all of their second round picks, and <laughs> it'll just be like, oh, well, now we have to just use these because we have everyone we want, and we we have all of these picks just left over. Or every te- or yeah. one team, will just acquire them all. The Thunder and the and the Pelicans and the Jazz will just a- vacuum up every second round pick in the NBA.
0: You know, how many
1: have a draft for themselves?
0: How many teams do you think right now own their own second round pick in
1: 2023? Um, hmm, I'm going to guess it's less than half. I'll say like 13. 12. Oh, OK, that's pretty close. I mean, that I, that doesn't surprise me at all, though.
0: If you count the 76ers who forfeited there.
1: Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Because there's only 58 this year because them and like the, the Bulls. Bull, yeah, the Bulls are both had to forfeit theirs for the tampering, violation, which is funny. Whatever, which is
0: funny. The Bulls don't have their own second round pick this year, so their second round pick is the Nuggets' uh, second round pick. So they're forfeiting the fifty ninth. Huh. Right now, the 50, the fifty seventh, and the fifty ninth picks are being forfeited. Like super hard punishment there, NBA. Um.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, if you think about it, though, the Sixers definitely could have used those two second-round picks in trades today with how <laughs> useful they are in currency, though. So right, maybe, they, I was, maybe yeah. they missed out on somebody that <laughs> they could have gotten. That's,
0: again, that's the only utility of second-round picks is that you can... Yeah, do.
1: so you can you can ship them on out to somebody else.
0: Yep. Um. Anyway, if anything else you want to talk about? Fun trade deadline for the
1: yeah. league. Yeah, for the league, it was definitely good. Uh, I think... I'm 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 excited to see what the Hornets rotation looks like going forward and LaMelo Ball is still on the team. So that is fun. <laughs> there's a lot of good players in the 2023 draft, so the Hornets will have four picks in that. Um I mean there there's there's still things to to look forward to. Maybe not necessarily each individual basketball game, but some some storylines and and narratives for us to watch here now yeah. that the the deadline has passed right
0: yeah this is something and then and then the hornets will like we'll get to see some other like fun new player at some point right because the hornets will probably sign players to 10 way to 10 day deals and no, oh, yeah like, that, to that'll have to happen at some point i'd be surprised yeah like i think bryce mcgallens maybe gets like a full contract and makes room something like that so we'll see yeah um but yeah other than that uh thanks for listening and we will talk to you guys soon
1: see you guys